by providing the resources they need early enough that they can get prepared for their part in the service, mm -hmm. the rehearsal and the worship service, I can have a reasonable expectation on the team to say, but you're going to come prepared then. Hey community, in today's episode, Matt interviews Jim Jensen, the author of the Creative Arts Ministry Field Guide. They discuss the book and how you can use time, people, and money in your ministry and how you can leverage it to help you be creative. This is a really great and practical episode. We hope you enjoy. Hey. Hey, Matt. How's it going? How's it going? Good to great. see you, man. Yeah, good to be here. Good yeah, to nice to meet you. You go by James or Jim? Jim is fine. Yep, Jim Jensen right there. Cool. So I've got your book here. And awesome. uh, you sent this to us. And um, it's, uh, man, there's a lot of practical stuff in here. I got some questions. As I went through it, I kind of picked up some questions. I want to talk about the book. But just uh, just to start, just introduce yourself and like, what is your, what's your background? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been in um, full-time Christian ministry since 1996-ish. <laughs> so I've been around a while in several churches. I started in New York City okay. uh, at, a, at a small church on the Upper East Side. And uh, I've been in four or five ministries since then. Uh, started as a worship leader. And, uh, you know, for 18 years, I was like a worship leader, a worship director yeah. at churches and uh, did that thing. Felt God yeah. calling me to a higher level of leadership at, at that point. You know, Matt, you get a little older and uh, suddenly it's it's not, you know, you still think you're cool on stage. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, you start age a little bit. Uh, that really wasn't it. But really, God was just calling me to to. To leadership. And so the last six or seven years, I've been creative arts in the creative arts role yeah. and just started a new ministry uh, at Shepherd's Gate Church in Shelby Township, Michigan, to live okay, here in cool. Michigan. And uh, it's just been about four weeks in this new position, but it's similar, uh, you know, worship arts director. So it's similar to creative arts, um, yeah. it's like leading the worship department. And uh, that's been, it's been really well, awesome. So I was going to ask you, um, so this is called the Creative Arts Ministry Field Guide. Yeah. And most of the people who are watching this might identify as a worship leader, worship pastor. What is a creative arts pastor? Is it different than a worship leader? Like what's the... You know, I think uh, churches have different titles for these, for the same thing, perhaps. Uh, but I use the term creative arts because I didn't want to leave behind anyone that's serving, say, uh, in marketing and communications or anyone that's serving through video or even, you know, uh, tech. Uh, it's yeah. not just a worship leader deal. It's not just a worship team concept. Uh, you know, the stuff that I wrote about applies to all branches of, I don't know, worship ministry. Yeah. It just seemed like creative arts was a good way to describe that. Yeah. So in the beginning of the book, you talk about how the culture is changing, that there's almost, there's like a decline of creative arts. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I don't know if other people are feeling this, but I, I definitely am. I mean, I remember Matt going to Willow Creek to the, you know, arts conferences there and just being, you know, as all of us were blown away by what they were doing and feeling like we were at the, the center of the church universe, you know, it was the, the hottest conference. And, and we really, you know, a lot of us, myself included, embraced the seeker model of high production ministry, and it was reaching hundreds of thousands of people for Christ. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, culture changes. You know, the world does not stay static, as we know, uh, even now more so than ever, you know, things change. Yeah, right. And, uh, and I think a lot of us have been sensing over the last 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, a, a, a change in the way culture approaches 
faith, spirituality, religion. And, um, and so the church has been changing to respond to that. One of the side effects that I've noticed uh, is that there's been kind of a, a move away and maybe you might call maybe a move away, but a, a shift in how you approach worship in the creative arts. And it's not maybe even yeah. the, um, the main attractional you know, element that you're using to, to bring yeah. people to a church anymore. And yet it's still got to be there. I mean, that's, that's the tricky thing, right? Is that we still want excellence in worship and, and people get turned off when the excellence factor and the creative factor is not there. So we still have a responsibility to, to get there creatively and to represent, you know, Jesus as best we can creatively. Uh, and yet Many of us are finding that, you know, our resources, our budgeting, yeah. our time is, is being siphoned off into other areas. That's okay. We've got to yeah, change right. our methods to reach people. Uh, but that just presents unique challenges, I think, to those of us that are in, in worship ministry. Yeah, it definitely has changed a lot. Like, I remember the Willow Creek Arts Conference, too. And, like, that's when, like, you know, skits were huge, doing, like, little yep. mini dramas and plays or, like, dances, choreography, video. I mean, all sorts of, yeah, creative arts, like, really right. the definition of that. Exactly. And now it seems to be a huge push on the music, like the worship, what we would call like the worship time, right? Absolutely. And that seems to be the main focus now, Yep. not really the other stuff. So your book, you talk about, there's like three different sections in it where you talk about people, money, and time. And I actually want to dive into a little bit of all three of those sections without giving the whole thing away. People need to get this book and read it. But you say that people, money, and time are the resources we've been given. And the big question is like, how are we leveraging them in our ministries? Absolutely, yeah. I think I don't think those are the only three resources you can bring to bear in ministry. But uh, yeah, somebody I read that, or someone said that at a conference early on in my my time in ministry, and it just stuck with me. I think it's true. You know, we've got we've got the people that are on our teams. Yeah. We've got the, you know, we can um, we can deploy them, we can develop them, we can equip them. They're a resource uh, that we use to to program yeah. you know worship services. Um, and then uh, money, obviously, money has always been a resource uh, that we leverage in ministry, whether we have a lot of it or a little bit of it. Uh, it's, it's definitely a resource we can bring to bear. Uh, but I find, yeah. and this is one of the reasons that I ended up writing the book, I think that time is our yeah. secret weapon in terms of resources. Uh, and, and here's the thing, you know, as I said, I remember being blown away by going to Willow Creek. I've been to other large mega churches as well. And you just, you know, especially people like me that started in churches of 100, 150, 200 people, or even smaller, you just, you just think, how could I ever match this, this thing that's going on here in these churches? And the truth is, you know, you may never have as many people as, as mega churches do. You may never have as much money, probably not. Yeah. But time is a resource we share. I mean, we yeah. all have an equal amount of time. So I can have just as much time as the worship director at Willow Creek or at Life Church or Elevate, any of the churches we know, I have just as much of that resource as they do. Yeah. And so leveraging the resource of time just becomes like, I think, fundamental if you wanna, if you wanna have a greater impact, greater effectiveness in, in worship. Yeah. yeah, one of your quotes was that anyone in ministry can use time more effectively. That's probably true in any sort of workplace environment. Yeah. But, I do, but I do know for sure, you know, I was on staff at churches for, gosh, 20 years, I feel like, <laughs> 15, 20 years full-time <laughs> at a church. And I do know that, like, there's a lot of time that is, I uh, hate to say it, wasted. I think that time can definitely be used more effectively. It's, it's just an interesting dynamic, I think, especially with creative people. 
and I address this in the book, we love to like put the music together. We're so creative and there's so many talented people in ministry right now. There's such great singers and instrumentalists and songwriters. Mm. And so that's all in place. And yet when it comes to like organizing a plan for creating services or getting resources out to people, it just seems like those of us that have that creative spirit, we don't have that other thing a lot of times, you know, as much. And so we get to, you know, we get to Wednesday or Thursday rehearsal, or we get to Friday or Saturday before the service. And we're just in like panic mode, you know, like I got to get this done. And then it happens again, because of course, we're not producing musical theater here. It's not like you produce one thing and then just run the same thing night after night. No, it's new content, new services every single week. And you just get into this, I think, really negative cycle just struggling uh every week to like figure things out and respond to emergencies but um, that's that's where time comes in you know leveraging yeah and help that and it seems like the big key thing to using your time wisely and time management is having an organizational structure having a structure to use that time wisely and you talk a little bit about organizational management and i think it's really interesting because i do think that like creatives sometimes buck against the system of like, oh, my accountant, like the accountant's asking me for these receipts and this spreadsheet and like creatives are maybe not spreadsheet focused usually. Um, I'm a weird mixture where like I love spreadsheets, but I also like am very creative. Me too. That's one of the reasons I didn't even notice that I had anything worth a book Yeah. because I just did it. And I just was unaware, but uh, as time went on, I realized, yeah, that's, that's a small percentage of us that are in ministry. Most of us have one, are on one side or the other. Yeah. And creative arts people think that like it stifles creativity, but you say like, no, 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 no. Like organizational management actually strengthens and complements creative arts. It doesn't stifle it. Talk right. about that a little bit. Yeah, that's one of the secrets uh, that I don't think uh, everyone understands. And I, and I do go into it in depth in the book. So let's just take an example of you're planning, say six or seven days out. So you're planning about a week out. You're, yeah. you're picking songs and then you're kind of getting everything together. You're you know, you're going on Loop Community and making sure you have all your tracks and uh, you're looking at the charts and stuff, but it's all compressed into that one narrow week. So you can pull it off, but suppose you had 14 days to do that. Suppose that you're picking the songs 14 days out, and then you have a few days to think about what you could do with these songs. Could I add video support to what I'm doing in the song? Can I have you know other kind of instrumentation? Should I strip the band away and just do like you? You begin to think of all of the creative and fun things you could do with these songs, and because you don't have the rehearsal in two days, you've got time to think through these creative ideas. And that's yeah. My premise here is that the more time you give yourself, the more time you have to think of fun creative ideas that that are going to yeah. make the service like so much more alive and impactful. Yep. And managing that wisely is, is very important. All right. So let's go to the second big section, which is people that comes right after time. And you say the functions and systems of creative arts ministry are a platform for the discipleship of people, which I think we're agreeing that like people are the most important part of your worship ministry. Absolutely. The thing is the time management flows into this idea of discipling people. And here's what I mean by that. When you can help your team have integrity with not only yourself, but other members of the team and practice the values of timeliness, preparedness, excellence, 
love for each other, honoring each other, you know, by providing the resources they need early enough that they can get prepared for their part in the service, mm -hmm. the rehearsal and the worship service. What we're doing is we're making promises and keeping promises to each other. We're eyes of the, the worship guy and saying, look, I will get you your resources three weeks before you have to actually play this song. And then I can have a reasonable expectation on the team to say, but you're going to come prepared then because yeah. you've got three weeks with this material. Once that cycle starts, it just provides a lot of health for the team. And it's, it's discipleship oriented yeah. because in this world, Matt, I've just more and more noticed that uh, concepts like integrity, preparedness, honoring the people around you by doing your part. These are character qualities that are in short supply in our world. And they directly relate to how you love people as Jesus would love them. And right. so as you, as you help your team practice this with each other, because it's just, you know, in the team, yeah. as you engender these qualities into the team, then that comes out in many other areas of their life. And you find that you can actually, you know, be discipling your people as you teach them how to have integrity with yourself and with the team, yeah. with each other. You have a framework in the book called the social contract. And, yeah. uh, and that kind of goes along with that, right? It does. Like it does. I talk about, you know, when you, at least until COVID hit, when you meet someone new, you'd shake their hand. You don't have to think about that. It's just kind of a, a social contract. Um, you're at a restaurant and you get done with your, with your meal you're going to, you're going to leave a tip because it's, you know, kind of learn that as a society, that's kind of a social contract we have with the person that had served us that meal that day. And so what, uh, what I talk about in the book is setting up a social contract for your team surrounding these promises I talked about. So, you know, it's, it's all about making promises and keeping them and establishing these normative behaviors on the team so that everyone just thinks it's normal that they're going to see the mp3s and the tracks and the charts mm -hmm. it correct without errors in the right keys on you know planning center online or whatever you use from whenever you've promised that two weeks in advance three weeks in advance they're there so you keep that promise and i'm ruthless about keeping that promise uh because i want to have integrity with my team and then and then the flip side it gets your team into a situation where they're they're keeping their promise to come to rehearsal it's impossible for someone to say at rehearsal, oh, I didn't have time to learn the music when they've had the music for three weeks. It's just that would be a very unusual situation. And so you're giving them that time to keep their promise. Once that becomes normative, you can be more creative in your rehearsal. If everyone's coming prepared, if everyone's keeping their promises with each other, then you're not learning the music in the rehearsal, right? You're being creative. You're like, well, let's let's change this up. Let's uh, Let's do a solo here. Let's add a chorus. And none of that is disruptive because everyone's got all of the other details prepared in advance. And so right. you can actually then in rehearsal be really creative with the music at the same time. Yeah, it's 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 setting up this social contract that, yeah. that's normative. And here's the other advantage to that. I know I'm talking a lot. Sorry. I get excited. About no, that's cool. It, you know. The other thing that it does for you is it helps when new people join the team. If you have the culture of your team where everyone is automatically being on time, being prepared, you know, getting their getting their act together, uh, being prepared for worship, then new team members just pick that up. You don't have to even really teach it. It's a social contract. It's like shaking a hand or giving a tip. It's just it's the platform under which your team now operates, and it's a lot yeah. of it's a lot of fun to get to that point. Yeah, that is yeah. cool. That is something that I think could be really helpful to a lot of worship ministries. There's one thing too I want to talk about that I thought 
I just loved when you said it was um, this whole idea of like, how do I find people? You know, if you're, you know, there's churches that are like, I don't have enough people to serve in my ministry. Like, where are the people? I need like volunteers. And you end up kind of giving up looking for them. But you talk about for finding people, if you're willing to actually see potential and then do the work, there's probably quite a few more people able to serve than you currently have on your team, which I am a total believer of. Like I am notorious for hiring or even, um, you know, getting volunteers on the team who maybe don't even have the skills yet because I just believe in them. I believe that that can be developed and I believe in people. And I've like taken so many risks on people that way, you know, and it's like, they're people that like never played the instrument before, but like, you know what, someone took the risk on me and I will forever for the rest of my life, pay that, pay that forward. And you know what, like out of like five hits, I, I hit four of them. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. people usually always can step up to the belief that you have for them and the time that you're willing to pour into them. So talk about that a little bit. I just definitely, I was like, yeah, I completely agree with that. I've seen Yeah, that. it's been so important in my ministry over the years. And I can think of so many examples. Uh, one in the book is just a teenage singer, a young woman who came to me, auditioned. Normally, she would not have passed that audition. But there was something there. She had a spirit about her, a willingness to learn, an excitement for the process, a, you know, a teachable spirit. And uh, and I took a chance on her. And there there's a lot of ways that you can... You can accomplish that without destroying the quality or excellence of your overall, you know, right. your overall team. For example, you know, just having them sing on one song or two songs, uh, not doing solos, but singing with a group if it's a singer or, you know, making sure there are other strong instrumentalists around a person that you're taking a chance on. You can always get them lessons and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different ways to, to build them. And so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And the reason I do is because we're in ministry, man. And sometimes I feel like that was one of the the failings of the seeker attractional model was you just, you were almost forced to, to decide that unless you had professional level people on your team, you could yeah. not offer this, this worship product that was good enough. But right. that's not what the church is about. We're about people. We're about changing lives and, and discipling yeah. people. And, uh, and the team has to be about that. And so I feel like any healthy team has to has to have this concept that yeah. you're willing to spend the time. Otherwise, why are you doing it? It, it probably comes down then to pride. You're just trying to get something really great. You want to have the best worship team in your city. It just, why go yeah. for that goal? That's such a shallow goal when you think about the the dividends yeah. of investing in people and watching them grow. Man, I know. I know, man. I, yeah, because we're not putting on a Broadway show. You know, we're not putting right. on the next like sitcom for like Netflix or something. Like this is church, like you said, and we should be including people, not excluding people. People who have been excluded know the feeling of what it feels like to be excluded. And it totally sucks. And we should never be like making people feel that way. There's always some position on a team that someone could fulfill. I mean, it's like, come on, you know, like, hey, here's the church, right? Here's the steeple. What is it? Open the door and hear all the people, right? Yeah. And like, we need to be like including people and getting, getting people involved. I'm I'm very passionate about that, and that's what Loop Kennedy is all about. Like we're we are all about community, and so. Well, I've used. Get, I'll just say this because I've used Loop Kennedy tracks for so many years, and it's been such a great blessing. I love to make my own tracks, but it takes hours and hours and hours, and so you know that's been great. 
But the other thing that you can use these tracks for is to support up and coming musicians, especially. And I've done it many, many times where I've had a, like say a new acoustic guitar player and, you know, I get them to a certain level and, and maybe I just put the track in there just a little bit to support them, you know? And yeah. so that they're not, they're not out there all alone. They've got that back, you know, backing to help them. So, you know, even, right. yeah, even with the tracks, you can, you can make yeah. that happen, support people. I mean, that seems like a beautiful segue into the last point, which is money. <laughs> you need money to buy tracks. Um, but no, but the, so the next section you talk about is money uh, as a resource in your ministry. And it's a resource, you say, over which we have the least amount of control. I feel that way. I've always felt that way in my ministry. It's, it just depends on where your church is, uh, how yeah. big it is, you know, what, uh, what different kind of socioeconomic groups are in your church. There's just so many factors completely beyond your control. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to resource of money, but I think there are a, a few pitfalls you can avoid and a few, you know, a few ways to leverage the resource of money. Uh, one of them that I talk about right off in that chapter is just creating a budget. Uh, you know, it's not hard to create a budget, but if you've been given, you say, oh, I, all I have is $1,500 for the year. I'm in a very small church. Okay, but you have $1,500. You don't have $0. Yeah. So what right. are you going to do with that money? And establishing yeah. those priorities is important. Being a good steward of what God has given you uh, is the first step to, you know, opening the door for, for more opportunities in that area. And so that's good. The other one that I'll just mention is uh, Christmas and Easter. And maybe it's not a secret, but I put it in the book. Like I use Christmas and Easter budgets to leverage like equipment purchases and stuff all mm -hmm. the time you know there are times when i like wow you know i've got some christmas budget here let's buy a few lights let's you know let's let, let let's get the yeah. stage looking a little bit better with these lights but then i've got the lights you know as long as the they rest last of the year yeah, yeah absolutely totally. so you yeah. know there are little tricks like that and um you know yeah. there's there's also asked you know you can you can leverage you know one-time gifts and things like that if you build relationships with people that can donate that way and so, you know, there are ways around not having it, Yeah. Uh, but being a good steward of it is important. Yeah, you know, that's what I like about the book. There's a lot of like little practical tips in there, like little life hacks, I guess, of being a worship pastor and very, very practical. You get cool. pretty detailed in all these things. So that's really good. On a money perspective, what tips would you have for someone during the current COVID crisis? Because, you know, a lot of churches are hurting right now financially. You know, maybe they're not bringing in the same amount of tithe money as they usually do. Yeah. You know, and I think as longer, the longer this goes on, I feel like live stream viewer attendance is starting to drop more and more. What tips would you have for a worship pastor who's navigating the money side of this? Uh, one of the things that I say in the book is, um, you know, in terms of priorities of what you do have, is that I've never felt bad about spending money on people, on developing people. And so, you know, during this time, if there's any way to invest in your team, whether it's an online conference or, you know, even uh, supporting uh, musicians. Yeah, a lot of Chipotle, you know, that's, that's critical. Yeah, I, if there's any way, and, and even at Shepherd's Gate and at my, my previous church, Crossroads, I was doing this during the COVID. There are musicians that live for gigging and they are hurting desperately right now. And I've been able to, to leverage yeah. a little bit of our budget to help them out. So. Uh, people that would normally just volunteer their time, even if it's just a token, just like here, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I think that's going a long way right now. The other thing that I'm finding that, that we're doing at Shepherd's Gate is I'm looking back in our catalog, the resources that we've already purchased, things we've already, you know, have resources for. There's nothing wrong with 
coming back and, and redoing something, maybe with a different twist on it, uh, reusing videos or, or songs, uh, tracks, yeah. things like that. I find myself doing that just to, just to save some money and to steward the budget right now. So yeah, right. you know, maybe those things are help. It is hard. I mean, it's a crazy, it's a crazy yeah. situation we're in. There's a lot of opportunities too. There are a lot of people searching and, yeah. uh, and we totally. got to keep that in mind, you know, that there's a lot of people that need Jesus more desperately yeah. now than ever before. So whatever we need to do to get that message out there. Yeah, man. Important. And God wasn't surprised by this and he's going to use no. it like in a powerful way. So yeah. Jim, your book, The Creative Arts Ministry Field Guide, yep. really great book. I recommend everybody to check it out. Where do people get it? Amazon? It's right on Amazon. So yep, you just go cool. to Amazon. It's in print and digital form. And um, I priced it pretty low. I just, uh, like you say, we're in COVID right now, and I just really want to get the information out. I want, if it, yeah, it cool. can help anybody, I don't want price to be a factor. So, yeah, I encourage people yeah. to check it out there. Well, congratulations on completing your first book. And, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks. sharing your heart and for sharing your expertise and many years of experience. Good meeting you, man. Absolutely. It's great meeting you too, Matt. And I'll just say, uh, again, thank you for all you're doing in your ministry. Truly, you, I don't know how often you hear it, you know, doing what you do, but... These tracks are huge, mm. and it's really helped so many churches. I know it's helped me in my ministry. So thanks for, for doing your thing, and uh, keep it up. Thanks, man. Nice to meet you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, Leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.